Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Vadir. Lekker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. Actually, my wife and I have been uh, living in Africa for 37 years, since 1987. So when I meet some of these uh, young bucks who think they, you know, know a little bit more than the, uh, the bearded one, I'll uh, say, well, what year were you born? Oh, I was born in 1992. Well, I've been in Africa since 1987. That means I'm more African than you are. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, you know, I like, to, I like to do what the Bible says. Thank you, brother. I like, how many like to do what the Bible says? You like to not only be a hearer of God's word, but you also like to be a doer of God's word. The Bible says those who hear and do are the blessed ones. And you know, I like to read in different um, translations of the Bible, not only in English, but my wife and I, we speak Swahili. We also speak uh, Nyanja. Uh, I think I might want to learn Zulu one day. Yeah. Siabonga, is that it? Siabonga. Siabonga. Got to work on that. But uh, we are fluent in Swahili. We're fluent in Chewa. And in the Bible, the Swahili Bible, you know where the Bible talks about give the Lord a shout of praise? It's an interesting word there. Uh, it, it uses the word... Uh, Vigele gele. So it's saying, give to the Lord, buana vigele gele. Give the Lord a shout of praise or give the Lord a vigele gele. You know what a vigele gele is? Can I show you what a vigele gele is? The Chewa Bible says, Mpatse ambuye ntungululu. I love it. Oof. It's the same thing, and if you're really good, you can do it without your hands. It goes. So can we practice the word today? Can we be hearers and doers of the word? Ready? I'm going to count on three, and you can use your hand. You can do it without your hand, but give the Lord ntungululu. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Give the Lord a vigele gele. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. That'll loosen you up for church. Amen. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Great to be at Awakened Life. <laughs> and if you were asleep, I think you're awake now. But thank you, Pastor Valdir, for the opportunity to minister the word. Great series you just finished, The Ripple Effect. Wow. Tremendously challenged and blessed. And... Uh, I think he's in the transition of another series here. So he said, uh, bring the word for us this weekend. And so it's an honor, really. Thank you, Pastor Valdir, to be up here and to share the word, to stand in the pulpit here. And I know and I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I've been, I've been doing this for a while. You don't just let anybody come and stand in the pulpit. So I count it a great honor. Thank you so much. And uh, this morning, I would like to uh, start us out reading in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26, and the title of the message is Obedience to the Heavenly Vision. Not just obedience, but obedience to what? The Heavenly Vision. 
And we're going to talk about what the heavenly vision looks like in just a moment. But let's start reading in Acts chapter 26. And uh, we don't have time to read the whole chapter. I would encourage you to read it when you get a moment. Uh, a tremendous chapter. And, uh, and, and it's when Paul, of course, was brought before King Agrippa. Paul had been uh, locked in prison for preaching the gospel. And so he was given an opportunity to give his defense before King Agrippa and some others. And we'll pick it up in verse 9. Indeed, I myself, this is Acts chapter 26, verse 9 up to verse 23. Indeed, uh, I got it here in the Message Bible. We'll uh, change that over. And we're going to read it from, as it is here on the screen, in the New King James Bible. But we'll make some reference to the Message Bible in just a moment. But here's Paul, he's talking. He said, I used to believe that I ought to do uh, many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For, the, for these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, I have obtained help from God. To this day, I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying to all the things and those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it in verse 19. Verse 19 again says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The New Living Translation says, and so King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. 
The Message Bible I particularly like, it says, what could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. The Bible is full of scriptures that talk about obedience and the positive effects it has on those who are obedient to God. But the Bible is also full of scriptures that talk about disobedience and the negative effects it has on those who are disobedient to God. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 verse 20 it says if you are willing and obedient you shall eat the good of the land but if you refuse and rebel you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's interesting when you read the Bible and uh It talks about the blessings of the Lord over in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. It seems to me that really if you just obey the Lord, you really don't even have to ask and pray for God's blessings. His blessings will be automatic. Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that if you will obey the word of the Lord, and heed his voice and obey his voice. He says, you will be blessed coming in and you will be blessed going out. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. Doesn't say, okay, after you pray and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. It says in the Swahili Bible, these blessings will attack you. You'll be attacked by the blessings of God. You won't have to go looking for blessings. Blessings will come looking for you. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. You'll be blessed in the city and in the field. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed coming out. So you don't have to pray and fast and plead and beg for God to bless you. Just obey God, enjoy a sandwich, and these blessings will overtake you. Hallelujah. (laughs) We don't have time to read 2 Kings chapter 5, but very interesting. It's the story of a man by the name of Naaman. He was a captain of the armies of Syria. He was a well-respected man. His king loved him and appreciated him for all the battles he had won for the Syrian army. But Naaman had a problem. He was a leper. But he heard a rumor that in the land of Israel, there was a prophet by the name of Elisha. And if he could get to Elisha, perhaps maybe he'd be healed of his leprosy. Well, he got excited. He packed his suitcase and he Went, he took a journey, he traveled, he got to Israel. He finds the prophet of the Lord, Elisha. Now it's interesting because Elisha doesn't even go out to greet him. Elisha sends his servant, you, he said, you go tell this guy who's come from Syria. You just tell him if he'll go dip seven times in the Jordan River, he'll be healed. 
Well, it's interesting because uh, he got all, he got a little, I think he was probably just a little offended. If you read the scriptures there, because it says that when the servant of Elisha told him, the man of God, the servant of the Lord says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He was like, uh, well, wait a minute. No, no. Um, first of all, he didn't even come out to greet me. Second of all, he wants me to go dip in the dirty Jordan River. Doesn't he know where I come from in Syria? There's better rivers than the Jordan River. Maybe if I could just go dip in one of those, I would be healed. And he got all, you know, in a huff. And I think really what the Lord was doing there, Naaman, was, was breaking the pride. Teaching the man how to be humble because his troops said to him, look, man, if you would just humble yourself, do what the man of God told you to do. If he told you to do some, some great deed, some heroic deed, you'd go do it. He's told you just to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Why don't you humble yourself? Go dip seven times in the Jordan River and see what God's going to do. So there he goes all in the huff, you know, no, no, no. Dips one time. See, I told you, there's nothing special here in the Jordan River. Two times, three times. See, I told you, nothing was going to happen. Four times, five times, six times. On the seventh time, the Bible says he was totally healed. His skin was restored like that of a baby. The point is, can you imagine had Naaman returned home to Syria without obeying the word of the Lord, he would have returned a leper. He would have never been healed. So we see from the scriptures, when we obey the Lord, there is a blessing that you don't even really have to pray and ask God for. Just obey the word of the Lord and you will be blessed. But the contrary says that if, if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. And we see in Acts chapter 26 that Paul had been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Later, he's brought before King Agrippa and his entourage and given an opportunity to defend himself. He started out his defense by talking about how before he had an encounter with Jesus, he persecuted Christians. And that on the very day he encountered Jesus, he was actually on his way to Damascus to do that very thing, to persecute Christians. But he said, but on the way, as I was on my way to Damascus, Jesus appeared to me, and in his mercy, he forgave me. In his mercy, he saved me, saved me. And then he told me he was sending me to witness to everyone about the salvation of God that's available only to those who put their faith in Christ. Can I have an amen? Now, we can look here in the Message Bible, just at a few of these verses, Acts chapter 26, but verse 19, we'll pick it up in verse 19, and at the verse 23, uh, in the Message Bible, Acts chapter 26, you know what? I think we got it up on the screen, don't we? Ah, yeah, there we go. Acts chapter 26, verse 19 up to 23, the Message Bible. What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life 
change. I started what? Preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life. Right there in Damascus, went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. It's because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in the temple that day and tried to kill me. They want to keep God for themselves. But God has stood by me just as he promised. And I'm standing here saying what I've been saying to anyone, whether king or child, small or great, who will listen. And everything I'm saying is completely in line with what the prophets and Moses said would happen. One, the Messiah must die. Two, raised from the dead. He would be the first rays of God's daylight shining on people far and near. People both godless and God-fearing. Paul was saying to King Agrippa and to his entourage that he had to obey the heavenly vision. In other words, he was saying that he had to do everything within his power to accomplish and fulfill the vision from heaven. The Message Bible again said, Paul said, I couldn't walk away from a vision like that. What was the heavenly vision? Paul was talking about that he said he had to obey. What was the heavenly vision that he said he couldn't just walk away from? The heavenly vision Paul was talking about is a vision that pushes us to plunder hell and populate heaven with the souls of men and women who are lost for eternity without Jesus. The heavenly vision is a vision of redemption and salvation for the lost. The heavenly vision is a vision to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, as Acts 1.8 says to do. The heavenly vision is a vision to go and make disciples of all the nations, as Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says to do. The heavenly vision is a vision to seek and to save that which is lost, as Luke 19.10 says to do. The heavenly vision is a vision, as Paul said, to witness both to small and great, both to king and child, both to white and black, both to skinny and not so skinny, both to rich and to poor, both to the educated and the uneducated, both to Jew and Palestinian, a vision of witness to men and women of all tribes, languages, and nations about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision Paul was talking about is actually God's vision for the nations. And his vision for the nations in 2 Peter 3, 9 says that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this is the vision Paul was telling King Agrippa that in all of his cronies that he had to obey. It was a vision he was saying that he was compelled to obey. It was a vision he was saying that he was constrained to obey. It was the kind of vision that a person couldn't just walk away from. And this is the secret of the apostle Paul being used by God. To do the signs, wonders, and miracles that he did. It was the secret sauce of his success for planting churches 
all over the place. In other words, the reason the power of Almighty God was released in and through him to accomplish all that he accomplished was that he simply obeyed the heavenly vision. He didn't sit and sour and soak in church until the day he died, but he got up off of his blessed assurance and went to seek and to save that which is lost in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. It says again there, Acts chapter 26, verse 19 and 20, the message Bible. What can I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching the life, this life changing, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus. Woo! Right there in Damascus, went on to Jerusalem and to the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. And the same is true about us. Coming to church on Sunday mornings is nice. Please don't stop. But coming to church on Sunday mornings in and of itself is not obedience to the heavenly vision. But when we get up and we go outside these four walls in order to seek and to save that which is lost in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Sumeria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, or in other words, at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, at the grocery store, whether it be checkers, pick and pay, or woolies, wherever it is you shop, at our workplaces, huh? at the supermarket, at the gym, at rugby practice, that's when we are being obedient to the heavenly vision. Oh, hallelujah. And it's when we are obedient to the heavenly vision that the power and anointing of Almighty God is released to do a powerful work through us in the hearts and lives of those we come into contact with each and every day. Say, I need the power. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, When you go preach saying, you got the power. It says from there, the sick will be healed. The lepers will be cleansed. The dead will be raised. Yeah. And the demon possessed will be set free. Freely you have received. Now, freely give. The Bible doesn't say, as we Sit in church on Sunday mornings very quietly, very reverently. The sick will be healed. The lepers will be cleansed. The devil will be raised. Demons will be cast out. No, it says, what? As we go. The power is in the going. As we go. And preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's going to happen? Signs, wonders, and miracles. The sick will be healed. The lepers will be cleansed. The dead will be raised. Demons will be cast out. Why? Because sitting in church on Sunday mornings very reverently and very quietly, never venturing outside the four walls of the church to do what we can to seek and to save that which is lost, sorry to say, is not obedience to the heavenly vision. 
And wherever there's a lack of obedience to the heavenly vision, there will always be a lack of power and anointing to get the job done. However, one simple act of obedience to the heavenly vision, going, preaching, and saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, will cause there to be a release of God's mighty power and anointing in us and through us to do what God has called us to do, which is to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, because we have freely received, and now God is saying to us, freely give. But again, that can only happen when we walk in obedience to the heavenly vision. It says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The power of Satan is defeated. The power of Satan is destroyed. How? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Who are the ones that are anointed by the Holy Spirit? Those who sit sour and soak in church on Sunday mornings? No. We don't need to be anointed to sit sour and soak in church on Sunday mornings. It doesn't take any special power to do that. Anybody can do that. Those who go preach saying. Those who go preach saying. Those who go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand are the ones who need to be anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit the sick they meet along the way will be healed. The lepers they meet along the way will be cleansed. The dead they meet along the way will be raised. The demon possessed they meet along the way well will be set free. So what do we need to do if we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do signs, wonders, and miracles? Go preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Tell somebody about Jesus. Put yourself in a situation that if God doesn't show up, nothing's going to happen. And see what God's going to do in you and through you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of Satan that has people in bondage will be broken off. It will be destroyed. The sick will be healed. The lepers will be cleansed. The dead will be raised. The demon possessed will be set free because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you when as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I hear an amen? You say, well, no, you know, Pastor Jamie, I'm... I'm a little shy. I'll just wait. I'll wait for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon me first. And, and then I'll go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, it doesn't work that way. Why? Because, it's not, because that's not obedience to the heavenly vision. Obedience to the heavenly vision is not conditional. Hmm? Let me say that again. Obedience to the heavenly vision is what? It's not conditional. Well, if I feel this way first or if I feel that way first, then I'll be obedient to the heavenly vision. No. Just be obedient to the heavenly vision whether you feel a certain way or not. Just go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand whether you feel a certain way or not. And out of your obedience, 
to the heavenly vision. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The power and anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you to minister to those around you and the sick you come in contact with will be healed. The lepers you come in contact with will be cleansed. The dead you come in contact with will be raised and the demon possessed you come in contact with will be set free by the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you as a result of your obedience to the heavenly vision. If we just be obedient, remember? God's blessings will be automatic. Well, we're being a little more specific this morning. Being obedient to the heavenly vision. When we're obedient to the heavenly vision, wow, look out devil. Huh? When we're obedient to the heavenly vision, when we go and we preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's when the anointing, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us to do signs, wonders, and miracles for the glory and the honor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, can we give the Lord a vigilagated this morning? <laughs> I've been reading a book by Peyton Jones. He's the author. The title of the book is Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. You've probably heard Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? This is Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. And I have a quote here. I'd like to throw it up on the screen. I hope we got it there. Yeah, there we go. It says, the front lines are where Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be with us in power. Without the risk inherent in the mission of Jesus, we would have no great need for his power. He guaranteed he will go with us into no man's land, kicking butt and taking names. Now, I didn't say that, okay? That's just a quote from the book. The power of the Holy Spirit is promised only in the context of mission. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus promised his presence as we gather, but his power when we spread out. Note the link in the following passages between Jesus sending us out and the promise of the Holy Spirit's power to accompany us as we go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 up to verse 20. So first, Jesus tells them he's got all the authority they need to reach the unreached to the ends of the earth. And the promise is that he'll be with them as they go. The going and the empowering are inextricably linked together. Like peas and carrots, Forrest and Jenny, Beavis and his unmentionable friend. <laughs> Guy's quite comical, actually. Again, the link between power and mobilization is inherent in the verses that are the theme of this book. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, Acts 1.8. Power is always given for what? Witness, not for running a show. 
Note how Luke, Luke, of course, was the author of the book of Acts. Note how Luke and Paul link mission and power together. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all. Acts 4.33. My message and preaching were not, were not with, with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 1 Corinthians 2.4. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Wow. His power. His presence is with us when we gather. But his power comes to those who scatter. To those who go out. He's promised it. He's promised his power to us. But the power doesn't come upon us or for us or to us. Just, you know, so we can feel good eh? in church and whatever. Yeah, his, his presence and his power is here even this morning, I believe. But we, we really want to see the signs and we really want to see God do some mighty, amazing things. Woo! That often will happen outside the four walls of the church. You know, I discovered something about church planting. I didn't know I could plant churches until I started planting churches. Isn't that a deep truth? Great revelation. I didn't know I could plant. I didn't know I was gifted and anointed to plant churches until I started planting churches. We uh, went to our senior missionaries. We had been working already for about three and a half years, working with them in Congo, Teachers in a Bible school. God just put it in our heart to plant churches. So we, we went to, to the senior missionary and we expressed our vision and our heart to plant churches. And he, he said, well, we'll go do it. Do the will of God. So he released us and we went over into Burundi. We planted our first church. And I'd like to be able to say, you know, it was so wonderful in the beginning. No, in the beginning, there was nobody even at the airport to receive us. We didn't even know anyone. We just show up, we only had two kids at the time, show up with our two kids, our dog, and about 15 pieces of luggage at the airport. No one to greet us. We didn't have a congregation of people to, hey, pastor, welcome home. No, 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 no. That's why we were there. We were there to plant a church. So we show up, and I didn't, didn't know where we were going. We hadn't booked a hotel. That was before, you know, you can get on, you can go on Expedia or whoever and just book a hotel. So we just show up and ask the I asked the taxi driver, I said, because we had met some missionaries a number of years before that, a couple of years before that by the name of the Johnsons. So I asked the taxi driver, I said, well, have you ever heard of the Johnsons? He said, yes. I said, oh, now this is a city of several hundred thousand. I said, do you know the Johnsons? He said, yes. I said, well, do you know where they live? He said, yes. I said, can you take me there? He said, yes. So we went to the Johnsons. We show up with our two kids, a dog and 15 pieces of luggage. He says, well, yeah, you can, you can stay with us for a few days. We have a little flat here, a little apartment, self-sufficient uh, self, uh, apartment there. You can stay there and, until you find a house. So we started looking for a house on Friday. By Sunday, we had signed a contract. Monday, we moved into the house. And I'd like to say immediately, you know, it was, it was wonderful. It was, we were blowing off, off the doors. And no, it took about nine months before us to even get registered let alone preach and teach and anything like that and plant a church. So we had to get registered first. Without registration, you know, you could find yourself in jail or, you know, on the next plane out of Burundi. So we were following the laws of the land. We got there. We, we, <laughs> it was a battle. It was a struggle. 
But nine months later, we had a church service, our first church service. We were registered. We found a place in an area called Buiza. And uh, we went down into Buiza in our first church service. We had about 30 people, 35 people. Most were children. And, uh, you know, we saw God begin to do some amazing things. But I didn't understand that, that, that God would anoint me and use me to do something like this until I started doing it. In 18 months, we had 500 people. And then war. Oh, civil war came. And that kind of messed things up. I mean, you know, next thing we know, we go to church and there's 56 people at church. But by God's grace, we were able to, to push through. Church began to build up again. And, and by the time we left there in 2000 to start planting churches in other nations across Africa, we had a church of 1,600 people in two services on Sunday mornings with over 300 cell groups spread throughout the city. Why am I saying that? I'm saying sometimes you just don't know you can do something until you do it. We moved on to Malawi a number of years later in 2006. And uh, we planted the church there in 2007. My wife wanted to start feeding hungry kids. Looked around and there were hungry kids everywhere. So my wife said, okay, look, I don't have a lot. She said, but I've got, I've got three rocks, a pot, and a wooden spoon. So she started a feeding program with a, a three rocks, a pot, and a wooden spoon. She's feeding about 20, 30 kids, 50 kids, 100 kids. Next thing we know, we're running out of resources. But Joyce Meyer Ministries heard what we were doing. They partnered with us. And then we had, you know, some other resources that we didn't have in the beginning. We started feeding about 1,200 children a day, Monday through Friday. They built a hope center for us. We looked around, and on Monday through Friday, we were feeding hungry kids. It was wonderful, but on Sunday, it was just an empty building, so we planted a church in the hope center. My point is, you don't know what you can do until you start doing it. I didn't know I could plant churches until I started planting churches. My wife didn't know she could feed 1,200 children Monday through Friday until she started feeding huh, children Monday through Friday, faithfully using what she had. huh? Three rocks, a pot, and a wooden spoon. And we see in Psalms chapter 50, verse 22 and verse 23, the Message Bible. I think we got that. Yeah, time's up for playing fast and loose with me. I'm ready to pass sentence and there's no help in sight. It's the praising life that honors me. As soon as you set your foot on the way, he says, I'll show you my salvation. He'll reveal a salvation when you take that first step. When you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's when the sick will be healed. That's when the lepers will be cleansed. That's when the dead will be raised. That's when the demon possessed will be set free. That's when God will reveal his salvation. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. You know, we have some weapons, spiritual weapons to fight the spiritual battle we're called to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and we have some spiritual weapons to fight with. Some of the weapons of our warfare are defensive in nature, and they're used for holding territory that's already been taken for God. But some of the weapons of our warfare are of offensive in nature. They're offensive weapons, and they're used for taking new territory for God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 up to 17, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. The body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet 
and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We see in these verses the defensive weapons we are given. Belt of truth, armor of God's righteousness, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. But there's some, some offensive weapons listed there as well. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it says, and the good news shoes. Good news shoes that we wear when we preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus. The good news shoes we wear when we go and we preach and we say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. I believe it's time for the church to go. And I'm talking about, you know, the church at large to go from being passive to being aggressive with the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about being belligerent. We need to be respectful, but a little more aggressive with the good news shoes that we wear when we preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus. Too many, pe- too many of God's people are walking around barefooted. Huh? It's time we put on our spiritual Nikes or our spiritual Reeboks or our spiritual Asics and run, run to tell people the good news. Run to tell people the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that will produce peace in their lives when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, can I have a Vigeta Gede this morning? <laughs> Say, well, what if I try and I fail? Well, what if you try and succeed? Peyton Jones, reaching the unreached, becoming raiders of the lost art, said if you never failed at trying something for God, it's because you didn't do anything that involved risks. Yeah, we know the story of Peter taking a risk by stepping out of the boat in an attempt to walk on water. You look at the story and you see he both walked on water and he sank. Of course, you know, we want to emphasize him sinking. Well, before he sank, he walked on water. We don't know how far he walked. Maybe 100 meters, maybe 50 meters, maybe 5 meters. When was the last time you walked on water? (laughs) But he walked on water. And when he got his eyes off of Jesus, that's when the problems began, right? He began to see the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. And Jesus, in his mercy, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And the Lord stretched out his hand and saved him. But what I want us to see this morning is in our walk of faith, as we're willing to take risks, there will be times we'll walk on water. In fact, most of the time we will walk on water, but there may be times we sink. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you call out to him, he'll save you. He's faithful. But one thing is for sure. A principle we see here in this example. You'll never walk on water sitting in the boat. You'll never walk on water always playing it safe. You'll never walk on water if you're never willing to take a risk. I would rather attempt something for God and fail than attempt nothing for God and succeed. I think I need to say that again. I would rather attempt something for God and fail Because in the kingdom, there are no failures. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I would rather attempt something for God and fail than attempt nothing for God and succeed. You know, I'd like to be able to stand up here this morning and tell you all of our church plants were a success. Went to Tanzania, 
We were there for 18 months trying to get registration. They never gave it to us. And I know there was corruption involved, I'm sure, because we know how this world operates, right? But we didn't give in to the corruption. We found ourselves moving on to the next country, went to Zambia. We planted a church. Within three weeks, we were given permission to have a church plant in Zambia. We were registered within three weeks. But in Tanzania, they actually wrote us a letter that says, your church is not wanted in this country. Well, it's all right. We'll go to Zambia. We'll wipe the dust off our feet and go to the next city. And that's what we've been able to do. And we've seen churches planted throughout Central Africa and East Africa. And, and now we're working on getting registration in Uganda. And we have a team that's going to go and spy out the land from Zambia going into Zimbabwe very soon. But all of our church plants have not been what you might call a successful story. But one good thing that came out of that was one young man, because we had a small congregation in Tanzania before they wrote that nasty letter. And this young man, he went and joined another church when we had to leave. We went to Zambia and some of the other people, they began to attend other churches. Well, this one young man, he was a Maasai. And he went to this other church and this other church eventually sent him out, sent him back to his home village, and he planted two churches. He was a part of our church to begin with. It really doesn't matter whose name is on the tag. It's all about the kingdom anyways. When we go to heaven, the tags are either going to fall off or, unfortunately, we go the other way, they're going to burn off. But we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God with our tags. So it doesn't really matter whose tag or whose name is on it as long as we go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what matters. The point is, let's not just sit in the boat and do nothing because we're afraid of taking, we're, we're, afraid of not, we're afraid of taking any kind of risk. And let's not be content to just come to church on Sunday mornings and think that's enough. Think that we're doing something great for God because we come to church on Sunday mornings. No, let's take our Christianity to the next level. Let's be obedient to the heavenly vision by going and preaching and saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For it's by this very act of obedience, obedience to the heavenly vision, the door to the supernatural will be opened and the power and anointing of Almighty God will be released in us and through us to minister powerfully to those around us. Obedience to the heavenly vision. We'll just be obedient to the heavenly vision. God will begin to open doors. He'll begin to use you in such pow powerful way you've never seen in your life. You'll begin to do things you didn't know you could do until you start doing them. And God won't leave you alone. He's promised to be with you. He's promised to empower you. He's promised to show up and show off and to do the signs, wonders, and miracles you're crying out for God to do in and through you as you're obedient to the heavenly vision. Can we give the Lord this morning another Vigele Gele? Hallelujah. Come on. Can we hear a Vigele Gele in the house? Can we pray? Lord, we thank you this morning. For speaking to our hearts and challenging us. Lord, we're so ready. I believe we're so ready. We're so ready to see you do something in us and through us. You know, this morning I got two calls. I got two opportunities for people to respond. The first one is if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. If you'll raise your hand just where you're sitting. 
I'll pray for you. If there's anyone, you need Jesus. You need to get born again. You've never given your life to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Raise your hand. Raise it just to, you know, where I can see it. Wave it at me. I see your hand there, my brother. God bless you. Anyone else, you need Jesus. You need Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Today is a day of salvation. Just slip your hand up, and we're going to pray for you. If there's anyone else, you need Jesus in your life. Thank you, young lady. God bless you. Is there anyone else? You need Jesus. This is an opportunity to come to God. This is an opportunity today to give your life to Christ and let him save you. Thank you. Thank you, my sister, my brother there. God bless you. Another one back there. God bless you. Thank you for raising your hands this morning. Can you, thank you there. God bless you. Can you do one more thing? Can you stand up, please? Just stand and let us pray for you. We're not, we're not, here, we're not here to embarrass anybody, but just stand to your feet. And we're going to have a word of prayer right there where you're where you're standing. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People are standing. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you know you need Jesus this morning. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray. The Bible says that if you confess, thank you. God bless you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just put your faith, thank you back there in the back. God bless you. Just put your faith in Christ this morning. I'm going to pray, and I invite you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church, let's just pray with them to encourage them so they don't feel like they're alone. And let's just lift our voices in prayer to the Lord this morning. Let's ask him for uh, his mercy and his grace, for salvation. So repeat this prayer as you stand there to your, just where you're, where you're standing and just repeat this prayer after me. It's a prayer of invitation. You're inviting Jesus to come into your heart and your life. Let's all pray together with him. Say this together. Say, dear God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive all my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe in my heart. That Jesus is alive. God raised him from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this day forward, I will serve you. There's no going back. I will go forward by your grace. I will grow by your grace. I'm being changed by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for working in me. In your name I pray, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just stay standing. I want to pray for you where you're standing. Father, I thank you for these that are standing for salvation this morning. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them and encourage them. And Lord, I pray that uh, they would make their way back here to church again and, and be fed and be encouraged and grow and become disciples of Christ. Because Lord, we're not here. Uh, we know, as we said earlier, Lord, this is, this is not about building a name, but Lord, it's about helping people. And I know Awaken Life is here in this community to help people people. So Lord, help the folks that are standing this morning to wait and make their way back again, Lord, very in the very near future, even next Sunday, Lord, where they can hear the word and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I speak a blessing over these that are standing. Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen them and send times of refreshing to them. Help them, Lord, to know you. And we declare today the good work you started in them, you will complete because you're a faithful God. We thank you for it, Jesus, and your name we pray amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah god bless you you're standing this morning
Amen. You receive the Lord in your life. I would encourage you can come and talk to me after the service or Pastor Vadir or some of the other leaders to talk to you and give you some more instructions and encouragement about this journey of faith. Now, thank you. God bless you. One last call. I said there were two calls this morning. This morning, the second call is you say, yes, Pastor Jamie, by God's grace, I want to be obedient to that heavenly vision. I want you to stand to your feet, please. You say, I want to be obedient to that heavenly vision. And by the grace of God, I will obey. Stand to your feet. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for these that are standing this morning. Lord, I speak a blessing over them. I thank you, Lord. They, they've stood in obedience. Lord, it's, it's a step of faith. Lord, it's a walk of faith. And Lord, they've taken the first step. Lord, the first step is towards you. And now, Lord, we thank you that, that as we take one step towards you, Lord, you'll take two steps towards us. You said, Lord, if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. So, Lord, we thank you for these that are standing this morning. Lord, we thank you for their determination to be obedient to the heavenly vision. We speak a blessing over them. Lord, we thank you that as they step out in faith, Lord, they'll truly see signs, wonders, and miracles being done in their community. Lord, in their neighborhoods, where they work, at school, wherever they go, whatever they do, as they open their mouth wide, fill it, Lord, with the word of the Lord. And we pray signs, wonders, and miracles will begin to flow. The supernatural, the door to the supernatural will be open. And Lord, they would see truly the hand of the Lord because of just sheer obedience. Just sheer obedience to the heavenly vision. Father, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> praise God. You see, you come to church, you enjoy his praises, then you get challenged. And this message is not for us to enjoy here, it's for us to practice out there. Yes. Amen. Just a quick, a quick announcement. Those of you who stood up for prayer to receive the Lord, uh, welcome to come and talk to me or to Pastor Jamie or, or the leaders. What I want you to do though, before you go out, go to uh, the back of the day in the connection card. Give us your details and a contact number that we'd like to get in touch with you, send you something to help you continue to grow in the faith, okay? So those of you who stood up to receive the Lord, don't leave without filling a form at the back there with your contact details, your name. We can get in touch with you and send you something, and hopefully we'll see you again back in church again, amen? And for all of us, guys, let's go and do the word, amen? Not just be hearers only, but doers. You've been encouraged, you've been motivated. Now watch what happens as you go out there at school, at work, at play, wherever you may find yourself. Be alert and let the Lord use you. Amen? Amen? So may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we go out of here today and are obedient to the heavenly vision. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Thank you, Brother Jamie. Lord bless you. Thank you so much.